Let's talk about these rooms. Like, how you get in these studios room? Y'all are gonna post this and they gonna go down, crucify me. How y'all feel about Instagram bots? I'm not gonna say I'm 100% against them. And that's just another way to um, get extra sales. Paying other people to promote? I don't know if I can talk about it, but it's how you can find A&Rs for certain oh, um, damn. I don't even think artists about this and stuff like Thanks. that. All right, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm with JB. What's good? And we with a female producer. I think this our what, third. Second. Second. Who the first one? Um, Tasha Couture. Yeah, so this is our second one. We got a female producer in here. Produced for NLE Chopper. The song is Depression. Uh, Light Skin Keisha, Top Me, Saucy Santana, uh, Taliban Duda. That's how you say his name. 42 Doug. And she got some unreleased stuff with Coyle Ray and some other artists. We got Monique winning. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I feel to be the second female producer up here. Um... It feels kind of, I don't want to say surprising, but it just feels kind of like an honor because there is like a couple out there doing their own thing. So I'm honored. <laughs> so like name a couple of female producers, bro, because I don't know too many. Like just go ahead and shout well, them out real quick. Well, there's a lot. Like I just see on my timeline on, like, on, my timeline on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, me, for example, I'm trying to think of some who... Um, Support me off the rip. Um, just a lot of people who I follow on Twitter, like Raven K, Maya Maida. Um, those are two who definitely support me the long way. Um, but yeah, those are two I want to shout out right now because they definitely been supporting me since the beginning. So for sure. So you real big on selling beats. I be seeing you like um selling a lot of beats on Instagram, YouTube. You real vocal. Um, you got an ebook too. So, I don't know, man. We're really finna just dive into it. So, you could just tell us, like, where you from and how you got started into making beats. So, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I'm not from nowhere, like, really, really popping like that. Um, I started making beats. Well, I've always been into music, but I sucked at, like, singing, rapping, songwriting, dancing. So, I was like, okay, let me try to do the production side of things. So, one day I was just on my phone um, on GarageBand just trying to do some... Can I curse? Yeah, <laughs> trying to do some shit but I was like I don't know what I'm doing but it's kind of fun so I just kind of stuck with it and then all of a sudden I was like okay I want to get kind of serious about it and then I downloaded FL Studio one day and here we are so like who was like bigger like producers you were looking up to at the time um definitely at that time it was Metro Boomin cause he had just dropped um without warning with 21 Savage and Offset and so, like, I studied that album from, like, top to bottom. And I was like, I definitely feel like I could do some shit like this. So Metro Boomin, definitely my, um, definitely a trendsetter for me. How long would you say the journey was from GarageBand to where you at right now? Um, Like, in terms of, like, getting placements or, like, getting seen? Yeah, just, like, getting serious. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, for getting serious, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe like two months. Two months? Maybe about two months. Because I was on my phone. I remember I started making beats in like May. Because it was like my senior year of high school and I hated being in class. So I was just trying to do something to like take my mind off of being off being in school. So it was like in May. And then during that summer, I just had so much time. So I was like, okay, I want to really lock in and kind of get serious about this. So, yeah, it was in the summertime. So how your like parents react? Do you want to be a music producer? Um, you know, pretty, well, I guess I won't say typical, but pretty not supportive of it. Like, what do you mean that's what you want to do? I thought you was going to go to college and do this, this, and this. 
So when I told them that, they were just like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. Like, like some hobby type shit. But um, then once I started popping or whatever, my dad was like, still like, I don't understand why you're doing that. Like, I don't understand why you just won't go get a normal job and go to college and stuff like that. And my mom, she's like kind of supportive, but like not really in a way. It's just kind of weird with her. It's like some moments she'll support me and then other moments she'll give me like the cold shoulder, like, oh, that's cool. So I don't know. So that's what I deal with. So like <laughs> at the high school, like what's that like for you? Um, in terms of like figuring out my life or like what? Yeah, like just like where you go from there as far as being a producer? Um, really, I was just in my room making beats every day, still working the job, this little fast food job. Um, so I would be in there talking like, yo, like y'all, I really want to be a producer. Like, I don't even want to work here no more. Like, this is what I want to do. I believe in myself. And they used to like really laugh at me and make jokes and be like, Mo, can you make a beat out of this? Like, you know, all that little corny stuff. So I was like, okay, y'all making fun of me now, but I'm telling you, I'm gonna quit this job one day and my whole life is gonna be different. So, so what were some ways you was like improving your sound? YouTube? Definitely, I was always watching like Internet Money, um, you guys, um, who else? KBZ, um, Cody, um, basically anybody who was like really putting out consistent content, I was watching their videos. So what came first, like you being a full-time producer or like a placement? Um, well, how can I put it? So I was actually working early last year around, well, that first quarter. But I didn't really quit my job until I had gotten to this car accident or whatever. So that was the only way I, t I was able to tell my mom, like, look, I'm going to quit the job I'm working and I'm just going to go ahead and continue doing what I'm doing. Because when I would try to tell her while I was working my fast food job, like, hey, um, I want to quit. I don't want to work these jobs anymore. Like, I want to take this kind of serious. She would just tell me, like, no, you're not doing that. So it wasn't until I got into this car accident where my mom was really convinced, like, OK, you can quit that job and just focus on what you're doing if that's going to make you happy. So. so that wasn't until, like, August. No. That wasn't until, like, May of last year. Okay, so now you're a full-time producer. So, like, that very next day, like, what's your, like, like, what are you doing? Like, what's different from yesterday? Um, Honestly, nothing. I'm still putting in the same amount of work, still grinding. Because at that time, I was, like, just randomly getting a lot of B-cells when I had gotten to my accident. So I had to, like, maybe, like, a week or two off from my job. And then they were like, hey, are you going to come back? And I was like, no. So at that time, I was just getting, like, a lot of income coming in. And so after I had recovered, I just went back to work, like, you know, making it about maybe six to eight beats a day, uploading them to my store, stuff like that. Working on beats for placements, trying to send beats out for placements, stuff like that. So how much was you, like, making off of beats at this time? Maybe, like, I don't know, at least 2400 just from my Instagram, for sure. So maybe, like, three to 4K just off of basic stuff like uploaded posting snippets on Instagram trying to sell beats on Instagram no, that's fine I tell producers like if you're making a living doing what you like to do and you straight no matter how much you make like right. you're in a position <laughs> right yeah. so let's dive into like the business model so like let's let's start with like Beatstars so that's what you were selling on Beatstars right so like how many like how many beats would you start off with when you're selling on Beatstars um I don't even know. Because, okay, I used to, like, be very weird about my beat store. Like, 
I'm like, okay, if I don't like the way this beat sounds anymore and I feel like it doesn't match who I am today, I'm just going to delete it. So I would do that a lot. So I think I had like maybe less than 100, but more like 50. But I was like, I would just keep deleting them. So would it be good for like a producer to have like 10, 15 beats on there starting out? It should have at least like 50, 30. No, absolutely. If your beats are hard and you're confident in them, put them up for sale. Like don't wait until you get X amount of beats. Just start trying to get them for sale now because with the way the whole marketplace is, even if you got like two beats up, like if you have the right metadata and all that shit, you can get a sale. Like, so. So I seen on your website you had, was, is it four licenses you have on there or? Um, I don't even, I don't even remember. I think it's like four. Yeah, it's four. The MP3, Wave, Unlimited, and Exclusive. So like explain those licenses. Cause I think producers get, especially like Noah producers, I think they get, they spend too much time on like, you know how like on Beastars is like, okay, you can sell exclusive rights or like radio broadcasting rights. Like kind of explain those licenses, like the difference between um, them. Okay. So with me, I like to do the MP3 and Wave as two separate things because the way I market my licenses, I market the MP3 as like the standard and the Wave as like a higher quality for maybe like what, 20 extra dollars. So somebody's going to see, oh, well, this is actually going to be, you know, higher quality and it'll best suit me for if I'm trying to upload a song to like streaming services. Let me go ahead and buy that. So now I just made like 20 extra dollars from something that somebody would have sold for maybe just the MP3. And then I do the unlimited license with the MP3 wave and the track stems. Because if you're serious about making a song, nine times out of 10, you're going to want the track stems. So a lot of people just buy the unlimited. So they don't have to worry about, oh, all these numbers and and how many video streams and all that, all that. So they just get the unlimited for $100. So, and then the exclusive. So, like, do you really track, like, do you really track, like, the limitations on the lease? Let's say somebody buys a MP3 lease and they go over the numbers. Like, do you really track all that stuff down? Or? Honestly, no. Like, people ask me that all the time, and I'm just, like, upfront, like, no, I don't. Because I'm so busy, like, doing my own stuff. I don't have time to see, oh, uh, did Lil Tay Tay get uh, a thousand streams? Let me tell him he need to upgrade. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, no. So I seen, like, on your website, you had, I think it's like a soul pack where you have, like, a pack of beats for, mm-hmm. for a price. So kind of, like, talk about that. So I've been lately getting into making, like, beats that I feel like are old on my store and kind of outdated. So what I'll do is I'll just put them in, like, this little beat bundle for, like, an irresistible price. And that's just another way to um, get extra sales from beats that people may think are like throwaways or something that's just sitting on my um, computer, make extra money off of it. All right, so let's get into like, let's get into some sauce. So like, let's say Bricks, for example, we're gonna use a, a, a like a industry producer, for example, like Bricks was very vocal on like, and don't be selling beat packs or don't be giving away free beats. And like every producer had their opinion, but like, how do you feel as far as like the business model? like? Like, we have beat packs being sold, like, 10, 15 beats for, like, $30 or, like, mm-hmm. giving away free beats. Like, what's your input on it? I say do it. I feel like if something's working for you, a marketing or sales tactic is working for you and your business, and that money is coming into your bank account and you're able to pay your goddamn bills, I say do it. Like, I do it myself because I believe in... It's just like when you go to the mall. Like, are you going to buy something from somebody standing on the side saying, hey, um... I got such and such product for this and this price. Here, you want it? Nine times out of 10, you're going to say no. But if they give you like a free sample or something 
And you're like, okay, I'm interested in that. How much is the price? It's just, you got to look at things like that in terms of business. That's just how I feel. Let me ask you this then. So how does a producer justify, how does a producer justify their prices? Like if you just started and you're like, yo, I'm going to sell leases for 200. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do you justify your price? Do you look at your brand and look at, look at your catalog? Well, honestly, I won't say I'm completely against producers saying like, oh, I want to price my beats for $100 flat MP3. I'm not against that. That's what you believe. That's what you feel like, you know, your beats are worth power to you. But I believe in what I do is I look at the standard price and I look at me as a brand and I look at the quality of my work and that's how I determine my prices. Because I don't want to make something too expensive to where somebody can't, you know, afford it. So that doesn't help me. I ain't making no money. So let's get into like, so you have your beats, you got your beat page, you got your Instagram, you got all that. But as far as like posting beats on the beat stars, like, what what is your mixes like? Because I know... A lot of times, like, when you're posting on YouTube, you got to have, like, a real good mix. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But, like, let's say, like, industry producers who sending out for places, they might have just, like, levels right and then let the engineer worry about it. So, it's like, what's your mixing process like? Honestly, for the most part, sometimes I'll, like, try to overthink it. Like, oh, okay, if I'm sending this out for such and such, I got to turn this and this down. Um, as of lately, I just keep everything the same because... You know, if nothing's clipping, it's not too loud, it sounds good on the phone, it sounds good in the monitors, it sounds good on the laptop, I'm cool with it. I don't really look too much like, oh, well, this can be played in the studio, this can be played on my store. No, it's pretty much just all the same. So you don't add nothing to the master? No, I just, no. Nothing? The only thing I add to a master channel is just a fruity soft clipper, and I barely even do anything to that, but... So, like, what's the definition of a soft clipper, bro? I don't know <laughs> you this know shit. What? I don't even know. It just, look, it sounds good, no okay? Good. <laughs> yeah. it, it worked for me. So, you got your beat, spe- you got your beat stars page. You got everything else. So, let's talk about, like, okay, from there, like, what do you do? Because I feel like that's what producers get stuck at. They got the beat stars page. Mm-hmm. They got the beats. They got the equipment. And it's like, damn, what I do from there? So, as far as, like, what would you use to, to sell your beats? Um, YouTube. Well, I just started, well, kind of started using YouTube. I just kind of took a break from that. But definitely put my beats on YouTube, um, post snippets on Instagram. Um, you can also do, Twitter is kind of like rocky because it kind of depends on the audience of people who follow you. Like, because I know if, like, if you're a producer, most of your followers are going to be other producers. So it's kind of hard to get sales. But I typically post on Instagram and YouTube. So what was like, which one was the best one for you? Was it Instagram? Definitely Instagram. Like, I'm telling you, it was so easy to make a couple thousand dollars just off posting 45 second snippets of um, certain beats. Because the way I would do it, I'm like very strategic in everything that I do. So like I knew the artists who would follow me they liked such and such type beats. So I would post those kinds of beats like every single post. And it would work for me every time. So let's say a producer makes an Instagram page right now. Like he's just starting fresh. He has the beats. He makes the Instagram page. What should his page look like as far as like bio and what he's posting on there? Um, well, I feel like it kind of depends on the type of person you are. Like if you're a private person, you won't really, you know, show yourself too much. I don't know. Some people are like that. But I feel like if you're just starting off, you know, definitely you kind of want to have a brand established on your Instagram, like make it noticeable of who you are and what your name is um, and what you do. 
you know, if you're a producer, you kind of want to have that obvious um, producer, um, you know, just a picture of you maybe cooking up or on your laptop or just something. I don't know. And then like a video of you cooking up and, you know, just some beats on your page. They don't have to be nothing too specific, but I feel like those are some basic things. Can you, can you give us some sauce on like directing the artist from like looking at the video and hearing the beat to your actual link in your bio? Like, are there special things that you do to make them listen to the beat? And, okay, now I want to go and actually go to the website because there's a lot of artists that's like lazy. They don't really like, you know what I'm saying? That whole process. Well, it, it kind of just depends. Like, you'll have some artists who are like very professional and be like, um, yo, I seen you posted such and such beat on your page. Uh, what's the name of this beat on your store? I really want to listen to the full track. I want to hear it for myself. So you'll have some artists like that. And then you'll have some artists who are like, um, yo, I really like this beat. Can you send it to my email so I can hear the full thing? And I'm like, uh, no, like you can hear the full thing on the store. But in terms of what I typically do, um, usually what they would do is most of them would like hear what they needed to hear from the 45 second snippets that I would post. Because when I would like post my snippets, I would do the intro, the hook and the verse. So typically they're like, okay, I heard everything I need to hear. I want to buy this beat ASAP. So they'll just reach out to me and be like, yo, do you have Cash App? Do you have Apple Pay? Like, how can I pay you for this beat? And then once they like send me the money, I just email them um, the files depending on what license they bought. So did you have like an intentional way that these artists are finding you to actually find your Instagram? Because I know there's a lot of producers who might have, they might have 100 followers and have like 100 videos of beat snippets, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. there's no artists coming. So, like, how are you having artists come and find your page and stuff like that? Well, I will say I was definitely at an advantage because I used to have this music um, blog post me a lot. So a lot of the followers from there, they have, like, a million followers now. But a lot of the followers from there would, like, you know, see me and then just automatically come follow me and just come fuck with me. And then now these are people who've been following me for, like, the last two years. So now we're kind of locked in, I guess. But um, that's typically what works for me. And then they tell a friend, that friend tells a friend, and now I just have all these networks of artists following me. So you, so you advise, like, PR and getting mm-hmm. publicized Definitely and get like into, like, having other pages post you. The pages that are more dedicated towards artists, like, have them say, like, yo, da 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 this is such and such cooking up. What y'all think about this beat? Something like that. Makes a big difference. So, like, you ever ran, like, ads on Instagram? Um, I try here and there, but I only run them for like maybe two days and then I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it was mainly just like paying other people to promote? Um, well, I don't know if I can talk about it, but it wasn't really like a paid thing. It was more so a partnership type thing where I was affiliated with them. And so in return, they would post my videos. So it was kind of free, if you will. <laughs> so like, would that still be effective in 2021? Like, Absolutely. So, like, what, what's, like, other, like, techniques producers could use for, like, people to find their pages now? I don't want to say hashtags completely, entirely, but I say don't give up on the hashtags. Um, but also just reach out, go under other artists' page and say, like, yo, um, but, like, be genuine about it. Like, yo, I love such and such. Um, if you want it to work, I'm a producer and I got beats for you. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but you could do something like that. Because that's what I was actually doing in the beginning. Like, I used to do that on the page that went into a partnership with me. I used to be under their comments doing that myself. So, 
I say definitely don't give up on the idea of doing that. Um, tap in with other artists. Just go reach out to them in their DMs or just follow them. You know, some cool stuff like that. How y'all feel about Instagram bots? <laughs> I don't know where they come from. I don't know their purpose. But you know what? I'm not going to say I'm 100% against them. I ain't against them either. I don't if, know why people be... Yeah, I feel like, like people use them the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Like that GFX comedy yeah, shit. I don't yeah. fuck with that, I'm sick of hearing... Bro, I'm sick of seeing the comment that's like, yo, you won, DM me. You know yeah, that like, too. Oh, that. And then I have something long and hard. <laughs> I'm tired of that too. Because I'm like... <laughs> or I want something long and hard. I don't know. So you never used like an Instagram bot before? I haven't, but I won't say that I never will. Because I feel like a lot of them are very strategic if you know what you're doing. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like you know I feel like saying? I feel like it's something to use if you literally can make it organic and you're actually building organic relationships and you're not like going to other producers DM saying, "Hey, look, ch-, like bro, I have a lot of fake maybe fake pages DM me saying, "Yo, check out such and such beats. He's selling this many beats or check out such and such beats and they don't have any followers." It's like a whole bunch of fake pages like it's weird, you know what I'm saying? Just don't make it weird. So where is this just like you you know what I'm saying? It's, they take your value all the way down because we like, bro, like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? This message not even for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to find a producer that's going to talk about it and, like, really, like, fuck with the bot. Because I feel like, I know, like, I seen, it was like a course I seen, like, 2018, 2019, where he was basically saying, like, don't do the comment and shit or nothing. He was using a, um, a bot called Follow Liker. Mm-hmm. He was like, the trick is what you want to do is you want to follow people who, like other producer accounts that sell beats. So for example, like you, or like let's use like Gabe Legion Beats or like Curtis King, where they have nothing but artists commenting on their page and stuff. And what the bot's gonna do is gonna follow the people who like and interact with their page. So they know exactly. they gonna follow you, you feel exactly. me? And that's how you yeah. grow that traffic. But I feel like niggas take it and they just comment do that GFA. This shit be blowing yeah. me, bro. I feel like any anybody like that's doing this should just never forget that you have to have some type of personal connection. You know what I'm saying? It's never just gonna be like Yo, you know what I'm saying? Just forcing somebody to come and buy. You have to actually make sense. You know what I'm saying? Nobody want to buy nothing from a robot. You know what I'm saying? So so when you posting these snippets on your Instagram, is it just you like recording your phone or is it like an actual like, uh, what's it called? Like a visual, like graphics or what does it look like? See, a lot of people like to overthink it, which is perfectly fine. It's all your preference. But with me, all I would do is like email myself because I don't have Apple. So I would just email myself. Well, I don't have a MacBook. So I would email myself the beats or whatever and just screen record them in Gmail and then just post them. Well, no, I lied. I actually would screen, I would save them to my files or whatever and then screen record them from my files so I could look more fancier. And that's all I did. You delete them like, do you leave it, leave it up there for like a day and then delete it? Um, typically what I used to do is I would keep them up for like a week. So I would post like on certain days every time, um, three days a week. So once that week was up, I archived them and then just post some more sets. Okay, so like for the producers who don't know, why would you archive instead of delete them? So, okay, uh, when you're like trying to be like a brand or whatever, you'll have people who will like give their input on how aesthetically your page may be or not be. So you'll have some people say, no, you have too much, too many beat snippets on your page. You need to take some down or, oh, it doesn't look cute or it doesn't look so presentable. So that's when I would archive them. And then especially if they're, like, maybe, like, two months old and nobody's really hitting me up about them anymore, I just archive them. So when you posted these beats on Instagram, is it best to, like, have, like, a niche, like, of who you want to target? For example, like, when you post on YouTube, a lot of um people say, like, 
you want to stick to like two artists like Lil Baby and uh, like 42 Doug? Is that the same thing? Like Instagram, you targeting just like people who are interested in a certain type of beat? Honestly, yes, in a way. Like when I would post mine, I would only post Lil Baby type beats, um, Pain type beats, and just like uh, like one random beat that I thought was just so fucking good and I want everybody to fuck with. So I would be, I would only post maybe like five beats each post. So I would do two little baby beats because that's what my followers like the most and would engage with the most. So two little baby beats, two pain beats, and then just one random beat. And then that that method worked every time for me. All right, so I'm putting you in a scenario. So you get a DM from an artist who's interested in a beat. Kind of run us through, like, what does that DM look like? I know producers say a lot of shit that, like, stray artists away. Mm-hmm. So, like, run us through, like, I don't know, like, run us through, like, a scenario of a DM. So, okay, let's say I post some beat snippets and then an artist will um, send me my post and be like, yo, I want beat one and beat three. So I'll be like, what did I used to say? I haven't done this. I haven't done this in a while. So I'll be like, um, what I used to do is I used to screenshot each um, license that I have and, like, crop it so they can see all of the features and the price. That way I don't have to go through a list of things and they could just see for themselves. So I would send them screenshots of my um, licenses and I would say, okay, how do you want to pay? That's all I would say. And they'll be like, uh, let me let me do cash app. Okay, my cash app is such and such. Um, which license do you want to do? And then they'll tell me. And then while they're sending me the money, I'm already having the files ready. So like if you get the MP3, I'm only going to send you the MP3. So... And then, and then they'll be like, okay, I just sent the money to whatever. Um, my email is such and such. Boom. Okay, I just sent you the beat or the beats. Just like that. So why would you do it like that? Like, why would you not offer the, um, like, the link, like, the straight? I know B-Stars have, like, a straight, direct link. Good question. Because when you give them the chance to think about it and to go to your store and say, hmm, okay, your price is this much. I don't really know if I want to do that. But by sending them the shit just automatically... And just saying, like, yo, like, um, how do you want to pay? It's like you're making them feel, like, kind of rushed in a way and making them feel like I got to respond because you're asking me all these questions, so let me just go ahead and respond. But when you say, okay, um, you like beat one and three? Okay, here are the links for those. It's like you're letting them leave. You know what I mean? Like, leave the conversation. So I'm like, no, I want to keep it going. Like, where you want to send that money? (laughs) Like, that's how I am. So what are, like, some things producers say that kind of, like, stray your artists away from a DM that they shouldn't be saying? Or what some things producers be doing? Okay, one thing that I know for sure will stray somebody away is if somebody is interested in something and you start going all over this legal shit, like, okay, well, um, if you use this beat, I require this, this, and this, and this. It's like, some people don't really understand that language. So when you try to throw all that on them, it can be very overwhelming. And they're just like, okay, never mind. I don't even want it. So stuff like that, especially just with um, loop makers in general, like, oh, but with the loop making, that's kind of different because you're sending your loops out to a whole bunch of people. You want to make sure you're protected. But in terms of like talking to artists, um, oop, my throat getting dry. A lot of them just don't understand the language. So you kind of got to be simple with them. What's, what's kind of describe or, like, explain the situation of an artist who hits you up, 
who necessarily like they don't really buy beats or they're not really trying to buy the beat like they want a free beat like wh- how do you kind of like work around that um okay so for example if somebody's hitting me up and i could tell that they have no interest in um actually spending money i'll just say um you know when you really want to work here's my store you can find um whatever type of beat you want on there everything is very um labeled here are my prices i have deals going on buy one get one free and then i just leave it at that because it's like i'm not gonna keep playing with you it's either you want to buy a beat or you don't like so have you ever like offered like free beats on your site before of course i actually have this funnel going on where it's like um you can get five beats for free and then afterwards the beats are going to be sent to your email and then it just directs to this whole other page of me just trying to sell them um a beat bundle yeah, let's talk about the songs. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I see on your ebook you talked about uh, email, like e- email automation and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, for them to um, subscribe to your email, you will offer them a free beat. So kind of explain, like, that whole system. Like, what's what's going on there from them so, signing up to the emails? Right. So it kind of works in multiple ways. Like, one way that it works is if you try to download a beat from my store, you have to enter in your email first. And then... um. Once you enter in that email, it's like, cool, you'll have the free downloaded version of that beat, but now I have your email. So it's not like you just got something for free and then you're never going to hear from me. Like, no. So it's like, now I have your email. Now you're on my email list. And now you're going to be basically directed back to that funnel that I was just talking about. Oh, and then if you buy a beat, you get added onto my email list. And then I'm sending you right back to that funnel. Those are three ways that it works. So as far as the email list, um, what are you using? Like, what's the platform you're using? Aweber. A lot of producers try to use MailChimp. I personally don't like it. I feel like it's overcomplicated and regulated, so. They be going crazy on the spam shit, bro. Like, they'll shut you yeah. down quick. Yeah. yeah so. They don't put you in the, uh, in the primary, right? You be tripping. I mean, it depends. I just know, like, if you send too many emails, they'll shut that shit down. Yeah. So I'm not team MailChimp. So as far as email sequence, like, Mm-hmm. Producers don't know, like, as far as, like, an email automation, like, how do you make it, like, personable to the artist? I want to say in that first message, show your appreciation for them being interested in your beats in general. And, you know, just give a brief a brief background of who you are and what your purpose is and how you plan to connect with the artist. Then in the other emails, you're just continuously trying to connect. Well, in the other... Two emails, you're just continuously trying to connect with the artist. And then maybe around them last couple emails, start trying to, you know, push a product that you're trying to get them to buy or whatever. And then if they're just not buying or just responding or letting you know anything, you know, send one last follow-up message like, hey, um, I seen you didn't purchase such and such. Do you mind telling me why? You know, there you can figure out if they have a budget issue if they just don't, you know, really rock with what you're trying to sell or if they're in a situation where they just want to buy it later or something. And this could all be automated with AdWeber, so it's not like you're, like, getting up in the morning and checking mm-hmm. and sending. This is all, like, automation. Right. Mm-hmm. As long as they're subscribed to a certain email list that you're having the email sequence on, them emails are going out, unless they unsubscribe. But So, so as far as the email, I know the end goal is to sell the beat pack. But why would you use the beat pack instead of like, oh, just, you know, like a like a sale, like buy one, get one free for my beat star? Like, why is you why is your product the actual like beat pack? Because with the buy one, get one free, everybody's doing that. 
So it's like when you're trying to sell a beat pack of what, maybe like 20 beats for like 20 something dollars, somebody's going to say, somebody who's like, you know, really locked in making songs and may have a budget, they're going to be like, yo, that's perfect for me. I can get 20 beats for only what, $27? Yeah, let me get that. It kind of comes off as like irresistible. So are you thinking about other producers that's on Instagram saying, bro, fuck that business model, that shit trash, or you not thinking about that? I'm able to pay my bills with this business model, so... No cap. So why you think producers, like, be so pressed about it? Like, I don't understand, like... Honestly, I'm well... I, I believe in if if somebody else is doing something that you want to do, but you don't know how to do it, or you can't do it, you're going to talk shit about it. So that's why they do that. Well, let me ask you this. With selling beats in general, like, everybody's on YouTube, Instagram, you know what I'm saying? Do you think there's, like, real long longevity with this? Selling beats online? Absolutely. I, this same conversation was brought up maybe, what, like 10 years ago when people was on SoundClick, I don't know, doing whatever, and they was having this conversation. People are always going to make music. People are always going to need beats. So do you use a, um SMS list or, like, text marketing? See, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't had time to really, like, get into it. So, no, I don't. So, like, going back, like, off what we were saying as far as, like, why producers be pressed, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, like, you could do free beats, you could do clip funnels, you could do beat stars. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of times when we be posting, like, different producers' perspective on here, they yeah. feel like we be siding with, like, each one. But it's really just saying, like, this is why we do the interviews, is, like, to show everybody, like, you don't have to, like, you don't have to do it this way. Right. You don't have to do it this way. It's, like, whatever fits for you. Mm -hmm. And you a real good example because you selling beats online, but at the same time you have placements. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your first, like, how did your first placement come about? That was really a case of some people letting me be a part of an amazing opportunity and just throwing me an alley-oop in a way. That's how usually a lot of placements work nowadays. But um, that's mainly how that worked. But then it was like, once I did that, I was like, okay, um, the money's cool, but I definitely shouldn't give up selling the beats in order to just chase some industry stuff because... It'll be a while before that money pile up and you could like really live off of it. So I was like, I gotta make sure I'm still doing both. So So your first place was the NLE Chopper placement? Mm -hmm. So like just to get more into detail, like as far as was it was it directly through you or was it like kinda like explain like the situation of how it happened? So it was basically just like I said, just some people throwing me an alley oop and letting me get on the opportunity that was going on at the time and, you know, just allowing me to get on the beat. Because it was, like, kind of a, like a um, sample clearance issue. So they had to te technically, like, remake a beat or something like that. I think that's how it went. I can't really remember. But that's really the basis of what was going on. So it was just a matter of, okay, we have these beats made. Which one is he going to pick? So he ended up picking the one that we made. And then, yeah. So this was through, like, more like a collab? Yeah. So, okay, so let's, let's talk about collabs for a second. Like, is that, like... Can you, can you use collabs as, like, a main way to, like, really get placements? Absolutely. You know how many, like, loop makers are just living in damn, I don't know, Greece, but running up placements because they sending them to the right people and collabing? Like, collabs are probably the easiest way to get placements. Like, For sure. So let's talk about, like, producers. Like, you know, we got some, like, you know what I'm saying, like 16, 15-year-olds. They don't have, like, $300 as pocket change. So, like, what are... I'm a producer. I want a placement. Who should I be, like be hitting up? Like 
for example, like of course artists, but besides artists, like who should I be hitting up to get these placements? Honestly, just really anybody who you feel like you could really work with, like like for example, um, I don't know. I'm gonna use Section Eight as as an example. Like let's say you're a loop maker and you feel like your loops could really fit Section Eight sound. You know, just be genuine, hit him up or anybody like that. Just hit them up and just be like, yo, I've been a big fan of your work for for some time now. Um, you know, I, I've been really wanting to work with you, and I feel like my sound could really mesh well with yours, and I just want to see if I'm able to work with you. You know, where can I send you some loops? Something simple like that. So I know in your interview with DJ Pay One, you was talking about a placement you got through an A&R. Mm-hmm. Well, I forget. What was the what placement was it? That's how all of that's how I get all of my placements. So let's talk about A and R's. Like how should a producer approach an A and R to send beats? Really what A and R's is kind of not really tricky, but you don't really have to overthink it either. You know, just introduce yourself. Hey, my name is such and such. Um, and I'm a producer from such and such. I was wondering if I could send you some such and such type beats. That's all you gotta say. That's that simple. That's all I say. Yeah, I just, I'm just making sure kind of producers, they be sending long parrot, they send yeah, stories don't do and that. shit. Like, usually a lot of A&Rs are like hella busy, so they're going to read your message real quick, and if it's something they're interested in, you know, they're going to hit you with an email address or hit you with whatever, whatever. But if not, they're just going to keep it moving. So don't send no lengthy-ass paragraph. Just keep it short. You know, stay who you are. State your purpose. Boom. Do you have some type of, like, agreement with the A&R to where they receive, like, a royalty percentage or something? Um, not that I've been aware of. I haven't been in a situation like that. I know some probably are like that. Um, I've definitely ran into some engineers like that who, yeah, I've definitely ran into some engineers like that. So I kind of don't really work with engineers. I just kind of work with the same group of A&Rs every time because I know it's going to be the same type of business transaction. So... So if a situation came up like that, like you're working with an engineer or A&R and because they got it placed, they want a perci- uh, like a percentage of it. Is that something like you were, you would like work with or it's like, nah? It depends on how they try to come across it. Like if if you're telling me, hey, um, like if you reach out to me, right? If you reach out to me and, you know, just say you really want to help me and whatever, whatever. And I'm thinking like, yo, like this person genuine as hell. Like they really fuck with me. Of course, I'm going to send you some beats for whoever, whoever. Like, yeah, that's a no brainer. But then when we get some shit plays and then you're like, okay, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and take such and such percentage. I'm like kind of thrown off guard because I'm like, well, you never discussed that with me type shit. So some people are like that. Like they'll tell you they want to help you. Then once they help you, they try to take a percentage. And then it's like, well, you kind of say, well, we never talked about that. They try to make you feel like you in the wrong for saying like, whoa, like where did this come from? So so what type of value exchange are you expecting if somebody's going and building a relationship for you or putting something through the pipeline? And I, I don't, I always, like I say, um, my boy Architect Beat says, rule number one, you don't owe anybody anything. Rule number two is they don't owe you. But still, with that type of value exchange, don't, don't you expect both parties to receive some type of benefit? Oh, absolutely. But my thing is, if you never talk about it with me, and then when something happens, it's like, oh, well, it's going to be such and such. And I'm like asking you questions because I'm kind of confused. And you start trying to make me feel away, then that's different. But if you tell me right off rip, hey, okay, if I do this for you, I'm going to require this, this, and this. I have the decision then to say, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Like, I want to definitely move forward with that. Or I have the decision to say, you know what? No, I don't really feel like that makes sense to me. 
I'm not gonna do nothing with you. So like even when I'm doing stuff for other producers business wise, I tell them right off rip, hey, if I do such and such for you, this is what I require. They have the option to say yes or no, but you know in advance versus once I do something for you. Yeah, I understand. So in these situations, it's best to like handle the business or make the business clear first before y'all keep working yes, on music. Intentions first, cause I'm I'll be sitting here thinking you really like believe in me and you want to help me, but you're just money hungry. So it's just like, you know what I mean. So as far as that, so that's business first. But like, let's say other situations like working with independent artists, should you necessarily like the first conversation should be the business or should it be the music? I feel like producers. That's where they fuck up too. They go in the studio and be like, "Oh, I need a hundred for pulling up. Mm-hmm. I need a hundred for this." So, how would you approach that type of situation? Intentions. I'm just that's that's the only word that comes to mind when I think about these situations. Intentions. What are your intentions with this artist? Artist. What is your intentions with this producer? Is your intentions on? I really believe in you. I really fuck with you. Let's build this shit for the long run and let's try to stack up some money together. Or is it a case of I really want to work with you? And here are my prices per hour type shit. So intentions. Just lay the intentions on the ground. I feel you. So as far as platform, I know like everybody knows Instagram, Twitter. What else? YouTube? Uh, Facebook. Yeah, so we have all these platforms, but like what are other platforms you could use to find A&Rs, engineers, Buddha said DJs too. What are other platforms to find these type of people that you could use? Which ones did y'all already just say? You said what? You said what's the IG, Facebook, Tw- Twitter? Yeah, IG, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I know there's one you listed on your ebook. That's the one I'm looking for. I don't know because that's what I use. I only use Instagram, occasionally Twitter, but I feel like some people try to use Google. Like they'll try to search up an artist, and you could actually, you know what I'm lying. You can actually use Genius. Genius is how you can find A&Rs for certain oh, um, damn. I don't think artists and stuff like Facts. that. All the credits on there. So yeah. I seen in your ebook you said Clubhouse too. I said, okay, yeah, Clubhouse. So producers don't know what that is. Like, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on there no more, but <laughs> it was definitely a lot of rooms where A&Rs were like listening to um, beats from producers in the, in the room or whatever. I had actually had got some opportunities from stuff like that. Um, but I'm not on there no more, so I can't really, you know, speak on it. But there is definitely opportunities like that. Um, but for the most part, I just do Instagram and Twitter. Mainly IG, because that's the easiest. So as far as Clubhouse, or just, like, talking to artists, like, how important is, like, being vocal? I feel like a lot of producers, they tend to be shy mm-hmm. when it comes to talking. Like, how's the communication? Really, I feel like if you're very vocal and you're, like, confident in, one, your beats and um, your presentation and just what you're trying to do with this artist and what you can do for this artist, I feel like artists look at you differently. Like, they feel like, okay, you got some hard-ass beats and you introduce yourself and you already know, like, what you're trying to do. Let's get it. Like, some artists are like like that, especially, in, like, in studio sessions. All right, so I'm put you in a scenario. you at the club, right? And let's say you backstage or something and you see little baby. Mm. Are you going to approach him? Or? That's different because nine times out of ten, he is not thinking about no beats at the club. Facts. Facts. <laughs> so it just depends on the environment. If you're like in a in a, in a a studio and you happen to see little baby in a session and that person who's in control of the session allows you to come in, that's the time to say, um, yo, little baby, I don't want to disrespect your session or whatever, but I got some hard ass beats. I think could really like, you know, I think you'll really fuck with. 
just you being confident and, and taking that leap, like, I want to play some beats for you. You know, that artist may say, you know what? Go ahead and let me hear your shit. Have you ever faced, like, rejection before? Like, niggas just be like, no. Um, Ain't want to fuck with you or something? Honestly, no, because I feel like I do have an advantage being a female. Like, you, if I'm in a... Like, last night, I was in a studio session, um, and Trinidad James was there. And they was playing beats for Trinidad, for Trinidad James. And I was like, well, you know, I got some beats. Trinidad was like, okay, let me let me hear your beats. Just because I'm like, you know, I'm a girl. People think I'm just there to support whoever, whoever. Like, no, I'm a producer here. I, I got some beats. Um, but in terms of, like, rejection, no. I don't think I've ever gotten that. Let's talk about these rooms. Like, how you get in these studios room? Honestly, a lot of times I really don't even be in studio sessions. It's mainly just from knowing the right people and me being at home on my computer way in San Antonio, Texas. And then making plays in Atlanta. Like, really, I feel like it depends on who you know. Like, if you know the right people and then people are actually working hard for you, you don't always got to be in the room. You just got to have your shit ready. So you have a manager? Eh, I guess kind of, sort of. People who manage my stuff for me, but not really managers. So before we get into the music business, we got this um, segment called Overrated, Underrated that we do. So basically, I'm going to just mention a topic, and you just say if it's overrated, underrated, and you just say why, the reason. So the first thing is traveling to cook up beats. I feel like it's underrated. I mean, overrated. Overrated because, like I said, it's motherfuckers living in Greece, Europe, France, who got plaques. You know what I mean? It's just get locked in with the right people, people who are actually, like, really working. They can really turn you up. Damn, I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you was gonna say travel. I no, I'm not a traveler. I'm, I like I like hearing that though. For real? Yeah. All right, next one, paying for placements. <laughs> it depends. I'll say I don't have an answer for that. I'll say it depends on your situation. If you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, paying for a, a fucking I don't know Euro Got It placement will really help you boost your brand and you know what you're trying to do. And you agree with the price? Okay, cool. That works for you. But if you're trying to pay for a placement just to pay for it, just to say, oh, I got a placement. I mean, it just depends on what your purpose is by paying for it, I guess. But I'll never do it because I don't really need to. But So, yeah. So, all right. So, goddamn. Whoever, your manager, whoever called you, be like, yo, I got Drake right here. This nigga said two bands. You could pull up right now. Yes, place I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pay for a, uh, a Drake placement because one, that's fucking <laughs> Drake. Two, I'm gonna have the two bands. Three, that's gonna really turn me up even more than I am right now. So it just depends. But like, should producers be worried about other producers' opinions? No. You know what? It depends. If they're paying your bills, yes, depending on what they're talking about. <laughs> for real, depending on what they're talking about. But if they're not, if you're not making no money from producers, no. All right, so the last one is, you DM an artist, the artist annoys your DM, mm-hmm. and you DM him back. Like, you just DM again or something. Is that overrated or underrated? Okay. Uh, see, y'all gonna hate me, because I'm gonna keep saying it depends. Okay, so with this type of person I am, I get bothered very easily. Um, So it's like, if you keep DMing me, I'm gonna keep not checking out what you keep DMing me about. But then you might come across somebody who's like, you know what? You keep fucking DMing me about something. Let me let me hear your shit. And if your shit is hard, I'm going to fuck with you. If it's not hard, you're getting blocked. I'm kind of that person. So if you feel confident in what you're trying to 
you know, get that artist to see or hear or do, keep DMing them because you never know what kind of person they might be. But just be prepared if they block you or if they curse you out. So it just depends. You ain't never on um, <laughs> somebody and then you see that shit so you liked it so the notification pop back Hell up. Hell nah, because people I did hate that. I be, I tw- I be tweaking. All I right. did that shit a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> So, like, I don't know if I asked this question. I forgot if I asked this question already. So, a producer, is it a fact that when a producer uh, DM you and say, yo, what's up? No. Because if you're trying to reach somebody who's, like, very productive, very busy, always on a goddamn move, nine times out of ten, they're going to ignore that message. Because it's like, okay, what do you want? Like, get to the point. Like, skip the small talk. Why are you DMing me? Especially with a lot of business-driven people, you got to get to the point with them. So... Nobody just wants to, yo, what's up? Oh, hey, nothing. What, what's up with you? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody got time for that. So just get to the point. All right, so let's go back into, like, your first placement. So what was your, like, second placement after that? I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Jack Boy or Light Skin Keisha. So, like, how, so, okay, explain. Uh, let's, let's, let's do the Light Skin Keisha one first. Like, how did that one come about? That one was a case of, I think Keisha was in the studio one night and the A&Rs who I'm locked in are affiliated with Keisha. So they were just like playing some of my beats and she felt like mine were different from what she was already doing. And so apparently she was just like, yo, I got to jump on that right now. And then that's how that. And what about the Jack Boy one? Um, I think that was another case of somebody throwing me at Eliup, letting me be a part of a collab situation. And then that beat happening to get placed for Jack Boy. All right, so let's talk about collabs. I seen in your DJ Pay One interview, you were saying there was a situation that occurred where I think it was like two loop makers on a, on a loop, and it was just, you know what I'm saying, it was a little shaky, and you were saying how basically uh they got a little bit less than what you had. So, so like, okay, so I'm pushing a scenario. You got, you you put drums on the loop, and it's three or two loop makers on the loop. You split everything 50-50, or they got to split their side all together, and you get your half. Um, Lord, y'all probably gonna post, y'all gonna post this and they gonna go down, crucify me. But, um, <laughs> I'm the type where it's like the drums are half of the beat, the melodies are the other half of the beat. So if it's two people on the melody, that's, you know, half of the damn 50 already being split between the monk, between sense. the two of y'all. And then the other half of the drums and the arrangement and everything else that I didn't did for the damn beat. So, but I will say in the industry, I'm noticing if you have a higher status than, you know, whatever loop makers you're affiliated with and getting placements with, nine times out of 10, the person who has the um, most placements or most achievements will get the most money for whatever reason. But in terms of like the royalty splittage and percentages, it's pretty much all the same, split evenly. I ain't gonna count. I done seen a nigga. He like executive produced the album, but like this nigga just threw his tag of the beat. He ain't even make that motherfucker. Bro. On every on every beat. Yeah, like it had nothing to do with his ass, bro. This nigga just threw his tag on it. Bro. That's that's what they do. <laughs> so like you like I don't know, bro. How we supposed to feel about this shit, bro? Like I don't know. I, that's what I'm noticing. Every industry producer isn't like that, but I do notice most. I'm not gonna say most, but a lot of them are like that. And then a lot of times it's not even just them. Like it'll be like their management saying, "Oh well, hey, uh, such and such got all of this and this and this. He deserves at least this." So sometimes it's not even a producer saying that. Huh. I mean, I don't know how to feel about the situation where it's like 
the producer makes the beat and then the big brand producer or executive producer who doesn't really even make the beat is, you know what I'm saying? That's who get the credit. I mean, I'm going to be reasonable. Like, I got a manager. and it's, it's real simple. Like, you know what I'm saying? I either make loops or we send out beats and I throw his tag on it. But that's like a manager contract. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, that's just a sacrifice I took for me to get placements. Yeah, it ain't really yeah. a sacrifice. It's really an opportunity. Because since then, I don't got several placements. You know what I'm saying? But like, I don't know. Like, it's really, I don't know. Like, you feel me? I feel you. I think when it's, <laughs> when it's, when it's down on paperwork, when it's down on paperwork and it's guaranteed, I feel like that's more solid, you feel me? Like you said, your management, that's your situation, you know what I'm saying? Because it's working in the system, but I can't speak for the others. I, I I hear a lot of stories. I ain't going to say no names, but. I'm saying, I, I've seen a situation. It was, nigga, it's from our team. We got them. We sent the beat <laughs> off, and nigga, from all the way over there, they put his tag on the shit, and our tags off that motherfucker. Like, the fuck, man? Like, mm-hmm. Don't put you in a scenario. Okay. Again, child. All right, so <laughs> Metro Boomin, 21 mm-hmm. Savage. They working on the album. You just sent the beat. Yeah, you never talked to Metro or nothing. You just sent the beat. It got placed. 21 hopped on it. And then all of a sudden, it's on Spotify or YouTube. Your tag ain't on that shit, but Metro tag on. But who did I send the beat to? They ain't sending it to Metro. It got placed with 21. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But it's like a 21 Metro album, so Metro tag is on it. And your tag either at the back of that hole or it just ain't on it. Okay, and what's the question? <laughs> what's you there, doing? What you doing from there? Like, what, what am I doing? It depends. If Metro's tag is on every single song and nobody else's tag, then I'm like, okay, it's it's a Brandon album type shit. But if it's like, okay, everybody else got their tags on every other song but mine, I'm gonna feel some type of way because I'm like, well, my well, uh, this might be why my tag not on it, but everybody else got their tags on theirs. I have I have situations where they tell me straight up like. Yo, bro, we don't want this tag up here in the front. Or they literally chopped the beat up right where my tag is. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it can get that serious where it's like, hey, bro, we ain't trying to, we don't want that tag on there. And I've been like, okay, cool. Like, mm-hmm. I'm be real. Nigga hit me and say, he don't want my tag on that shit. I'm finna be like, all right. I don't even like my tag, bro. I'm finna be like, all right, bro. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's a thin line. It's blurred. It's like a blurred line on. Like, what sacrifices producers should take and what they should not take. I feel like we got to clear that shit up, bro. That's facts. That's facts. To keep the respect for the producers, a lot of producers don't respect themselves as a brand. You know what I'm saying? We got to respect so. each other first, though, bro. We too busy attacking and shit. It's just, I don't know. Like, on, the out, on like, nigga looking from the outside in, like, it's like, because, like, every time, I mean, I, we can even a part of this, bro. I'm going to say we a part of this shit, too. But I will post something, and it's in the comments. It's just a whole bunch of producers arguing about bullshit. Right. Like, mm-hmm. producers arguing about the definition between a beat maker versus a producer. Oh, my God. Like, nigga, like, like okay, what's your input first? <laughs> Y'all know my motto. As long as my bills pay, I don't care what you call me, okay? Hey, so, I don't know, like, niggas be, why, why producers so, like, why, why is it, like, toxic? Like, I know you was talking about this in, in DJ Payne um, interview. You was talking about, like, the toxic community. Like, mm-hmm. why that shit so toxic, bro? Really, I feel like, okay, when I did that in, uh, interview, I based it, most of it, on the pandemic and how people are just locked in, whatever, whatever. It's been, what, maybe a year and a half later. Um, it's definitely just envy and people just trying to be so involved in the trolling culture on Twitter. And I'm just like, you, you're... Like, uh, like for one example, I'm going to use this example. I'm not going to say his name. But, like, last night, I had said um, something. 
like a general fucking, you know, this is my Twitter, I'm going to do what I want type shit. And somebody going to say, oh, you're one of those types of producers. I go click this man bio and he got aspiring industry producer in his bio. I'm like, dude, you aspiring to be what I, what I already am. Like, don't try to troll me. Like, you embarrassing yourself. So it's just like, you have people like that. I don't know, but... It's a lot of producer, a lot of producer ego. Most most of the time, you know, a lot of the negativity and the toxicity is from the producers that don't really have that much going on because they got way more time to pay attention to everybody else. Right, you know what I'm right. That so, too. Bored. Yeah, but I, I advise everybody to stay positive and even me, saying for myself, just a lot of negativity, just not to feed into it because, you know, what I'm saying, because <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, we live in the present. You know, what I'm saying, we making moves. A lot of people don't see that. They don't know what's going on. So, of course, they're going to put everybody down because they just watching from their phone, you know? So we got to always remind that if we really, we're really in the action working. These people are not really doing anything. they just seeing from the outside in, you know? Oh, I know. Well aware of that. <laughs> Glad you said that, bro. I be feeling like these niggas full of shit sometimes. Nah, it, it's there. It's there. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Let me chill out. Okay, we're going back to, uh, so let's talk about, like, music business. So uh, let's use your first placement, for example. So you get your first placement. What's that? What's the business step from them sending you the paperwork all the way to, from you getting paid? Like, what what does that look like? What time is it? Do I got time to talk about it? Um, you ain't got to expose nobody. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna be very general, very blunt, very upfront about it. If you don't have a team of people helping you, it's gonna be very difficult for you to even get paperwork, right? So it's like. I have a very solid team of people helping me, like, down to the entertainment uh, attorney, manager, whatever you want to call it. I have all those people. But even with having those people in place, sometimes it's like, shit is still even difficult for me just to get paid the correct way. Like, you'll have labels who will try to pay you half of your money, you know, this month, if you're lucky, and then they'll send the other half fucking whenever, you know? Or you'll have people who, you'll have labels who won't even try to pay you at all. So it's just like, what was the question again? <laughs> nah, you, she kind of answered it, right? Did I answer the question? Yeah, you answered it. Because I, I say I respect you for answering that way because a lot of producers cry independent and artists. Everybody cries independent, independent, cries hand out, hand out. I'm not letting nobody do this. I'm not letting nobody do that. And you're like, yo, I have a team that's making sure this gets done because I know for a fact by myself, it's going to be too difficult. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I respect yeah, that. I feel you, but, like, get in, to, to get into more detail, kind of, mm. I know a lot of producers, like, it took me a while, like... Oh, I know what you asked me. I just remembered. What was what was the step? Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying? Continue. Okay, so, you okay, you get a placement. Are you hitting up that label and be like, hey, I'm the one that made this beat, or okay. is they hitting you up? So, it depends on, well, in my experiences, I'm noticing it depends on how you got the placement. Like, were you connected with an engineer? Were you connected with a manager? Were you connected with an A&R for that label? If so, nine times out of 10, um, those people are going to be the ones telling you, hey, 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 you got to place me with such and such. Um, somebody from such and such department is going to reach out to you. What's your email? So they can reach out to you. Sometimes you'll get people like that. Um, then in some cases, I feel like it's happened to me before. I can't really remember. But in some cases, they'll just uh, drop the whole song and then you find out, oh, I got a placement with such and such. Um, you know, what's the paperwork? What? Who do I reach out to? Like, what? 
So then you'll have to go scavenging around trying to figure out, um, trying to just go down the line of who you sent that beat to, reaching out to them, and then having to wait for them to respond to you and then tell you who you got to reach out to. So it can go one or two ways, depending on how you got the placement. All right, so they send you the email. Mm. What's, what's that email saying? Like, what, what What's happening in that email? So typically what the email will be is them saying, hey, um, um, we're going to put out such and such songs, such and such. Um, do you have management who we can reach out to? Or they'll probably try to ask you. Um, they'll probably try to already have a budget that they're going to pay you for the beat or in advance that they're going to pay you for the beat. And then someone will ask you, do you have management who can reach out to? It can go one or two ways. Okay, so... Or they might do both. So to backtrack a little bit on your first placement, did you already have a lawyer? Or did you have to find one at this time? Um, No. The actual team who I work with, they have um, lawyers in play and stuff like that. So I was able to use them in that situation. I think that's how that worked. So was it a situation where you, like, paid a lawyer up front or he took some out your advance? I can't really remember how that situation went because it was a little while ago. But you will have some who um, will say, will will charge you, like, a fee. But most of them, I'm noticing, will take, like, a small percentage from your advance. Okay, so that second email, like, or it could be in the first one, but we're, like, what are, like, things, like, it's, like, for example, like, publishing, like, what's being offered in that email to you? Um, honestly, the standard, like, if it's, like, you know, you produce the whole beat, okay, 50% for you, 50% for the artist. If it's you and a, um, co-producer, 25-25. If it's three producers, you know, split evenly. So, they're, I feel like labels are pretty good about the, um, publishing, making sure everything is split, everything is what it's supposed to be. But you'll have some who will try to leave out the master recording points and who will try to make you think that you can't get any points on the song or on the album. So that's a situation. <laughs> Damn, but yeah, that. you'll have some like that. And then you'll have some who'll make sure everything is there. You can read everything. It's all there. So it just depends. So we got the we got the publishing that mm. you're talking about. And then we have the advance. But what is the, that royalty point? Like, what is that? What producers so, don't know? Okay, I can't speak 100% confidently about it because I'm not that expert in it. But it's like, um, I want to say the standard rate for producers in terms of, like, points on the album is, like, three. So if it's, like, three producers on the beat, everybody gets one point for that record. Um, if it's just you, you get the full three. If it's you and another, split evenly. But in terms of explaining it, okay. What was it, like, three three cents per sale or something like that for the point? I don't really know. Something like that. It's, like, like, like three cents per, per album point. sale or something. Yeah, three Nigga, cents. just said eight cents, but niggas say that won't it. I don't know. For real? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the, I don't know. Somebody's gonna have to validate in the comments. We gotta get a yeah. lawyer in here. I don't know. We're gonna bring Lamont Gray's on. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> okay, so let's say the agreement's finished. Yeah, I come to the terms. What does payment look like? Because I feel like it's I, I want producers to understand it's different for every situation. You might get paid like before or you might get paid months after. Mm-hmm. But what's that payment look like? So it just depends. If they already dropped the song, um, you might run into a situation where they're going to pay you the whole thing, which is fucking great. Or you might run into a situation where they're going to pay you some now and then some four months from now for whatever reason. But if they haven't dropped the song, you'll run into a situation where um, they'll be doing paperwork with you 
Goddamn, February 1st. The song's not coming out until May 1st. So it's February 1st. You have all your paperwork filled out and everything. But they're not going to pay you until that week before the song is about to drop. So it just depends. And then you'll have some who will pay you as soon as you finish the paperwork. So when does a, what, what's like, when should a producer like come out and be like, man, I ain't get paid yet. Y'all niggas tripping. Like, when, when should a producer start exposing or going, you know how they do the rants on Twitter and Instagram? <laughs> when should a producer do the, or do you even suggest a producer doing that? Getting to that point where they start like going on Twitter and be like, I ain't get yeah. paid. Niggas stole one shit. All that crying shit. I won't say cry. They go, um, they go fry as well. I won't say cry. I'll say if you have, you know, your management and your attorney who's like constantly doing these follow-up emails and you keep getting the damn runaround, sometimes that scenario and that uh, retaliation does make them expedite shit because they're like, okay, we getting exposed. Let's just, let's just try to handle this situation. Sometimes it does work in people's favor. But then... With that, it'll be a situation where they'll pay you, but they'll never work with you yeah, again. Yeah, the bridge is burnt. Yeah, so. But then again, I feel like if you're trying to get paid from people and they just refuse to pay you, I wouldn't even want to have a bridge with them anymore anyway, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's smoke. Yeah. That's smoke. It just depends. That's about it. I think we got to get more female producers. I like giving out sauce, man. Yeah. Niggas don't like giving out sauce. So as far as, like, for Monique winning, like, what's next? Like, what's next for you? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. So I'm actually, uh, I just became partner with Twitch. So I'm streaming on there now. I'm giving out a whole bunch of game. Live cookups, cooking up with loops, depending on the um, subscription tier that you're in. I'm going to have at least two tiers for sure. So, like, if you're in at least tier one, you'll be able to send me loops. And then I'll cook up with your loops if I like them. Um, on the live stream... Um, and then I'm also going to be doing events on my streams where it's like, um, I'm going to spend money on three lucky producers every Wednesday and, um, Sunday. So basically I'm going to have my discord set up to where you'll be able to send me two, depending on the subscriptions here that you're in, you'll be able to send two, um, beats for submission in a way. And it's like, I'm going to listen to those two beats. If I like them. If I like one of them, I'm going to buy one of them. But I'm only going to spend money on three producers. So that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm also going to be doing, like, Q&A sessions. Um, what else? And then I'm going to spend an hour every Sunday going over at least one chapter in my ebook. So, like, if you have questions, if you just don't understand something in the ebook, that would be the time to ask them. We could chop it up. So let's talk about this ebook. Though. What's this ebook about? So the ebook is how to become a successful online and industry producer. Basically, me going over 20 essential topics that relates to being an online and industry producer. That relates to like getting placements, getting beat sales, um, reaching and connecting with other industry producers, um, you know, branding, setting up your brand, making sure you have an official brand established, mixing beats. Arranging beats, like literally everything you could think of, I talk about it in this ebook. I, I just got to talk my shit for a little bit, so okay. Let's talk. Let's use the ebook for example. I'm not saying this is what it is. I'm just I'm just using the ebook for example. I see a lot of times producers that buy something mm -hmm. like a course or something, and they see the same shit. Like, oh, be consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, what's another thing? A lot of people say, uh, uh, follow up an email or provide value, and producers be like, oh, this is some bullshit. That. This is a scam. Like, you feel me? <laughs> And I feel like 
Because that's one of the things. Like, I brought hella courses. Like, you can name every course in the book. I done brought that shit before, like, I joined Producer mm-hmm. Grind. And, like, I seen the same shit, and I would get mad. But I, 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 I like, I look past that shit. You feel me? So, like, being consistent, I look past it. I'm here thinking it's, like, a secret, like, a top secret. Like, it's this app that niggas holding back for mm-hmm. me that I need to find when it's really just a whole bunch of different components just added together that makes that business model. Mm-hmm. And I feel like producers need to stop overlooking that. Like, you need to be consistent. You need to... You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you get this ebook, because I, I just got the ebook this morning. So, when you get this ebook, I feel like you need to take all the points, all the values, and put it together. You're going to have a dope business model for sure. And that's another thing I want to add on to that. A lot of pretty, uh, pretties, a lot of producers think it's really some secret, uh, patty formula, Krabby Patty, whatever the fuck you want to call it. They think it's like this big, like, mystery, like, oh my God, I can't figure this shit out. No, a lot of it is basic shit, you know reach out to A&Rs to help you get placements. Like, that's really what motherfuckers are out here doing. Like, find them on IG. It's super easy. I go over how you can find them on IG. Reach out to them. Um, collab with industry producers to help you get placements. You know, fill out the metadata when you upload beats to help you get more beat sales. Like, that really makes a difference. Like, it's little things like that that we keep saying that you should do. People just refuse to do them, and they're just like, well, that ain't it. It's some other shit that you're doing. Like, no, like, this is... This is what it is. It's very, it's not hard, but it's not necessarily easy. You just got to be patient and just be consistent with it. And then you'll see the results. Hey, that's it. That's a wrap. We appreciate you for um, hopping on here. You know what I'm saying? Make sure y'all follow Monique Winning. Make sure you get the ebook. It's like, shit, cheap head. What is it? It's 20, it's not even $20. It's $19.99, 100 pages full of gems, full of producer gems. You could go to the site and literally read all of the reviews that people are saying. And I've only had this book out for two months, if that. So that's pretty much it, y'all. Um, I'm trying to think of something else I could say real quick. Anybody you want to shout out? Any producers, up and coming artists? No, <laughs> just me. I mean, <laughs> no, like no. I definitely want to give a shout out because a lot of producers were like really rooting for me to get on here and like really talk about some shit. So if you like really, um, if you're one of the producers who like always is rooting for me and you always want me to go on wherever, wherever, or do whatever, whatever, I really appreciate you. Like, if you're one of the ones who take time out of your day to fucking tweet about my ebook or just tweet about how hard I am, I fuck with you. Thank you. I'm shouting you out. So. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get more female producers on here. They be leaking souls. Yeah. That's a wrap, though, y'all. Just remember, though, like, we already talked about this, but, like, this is just another business model that you could use. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go to Clip Funnel route, you could do that shit. If you want to go... Instagram, you could do that. Twitter, if you want to do YouTube, BeatStar, nigga, ads, it don't matter what you do. Like, there's no law to this. Like, it's not mm-hmm. one law book on how to sell beats, bro. So don't don't watch a, a video and see this nigga say this and, oh, this is, you have to do it. Like, the reason why we do these interviews is to show you don't matter what you do. Like, mm-hmm. don't matter what path you take. It worked out. Like, it worked out for her. It worked out for this nigga. It worked out for this nigga. So, like, do what's best for you. 